Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Hey everyone, God bless you. I am so excited to be bringing the very last message in the Pray For It series. We have spent most of the fall focusing on the topic of prayer because I believe that when we develop a strong prayer life, we grow the fastest, we get the closest to God. If you read your Bible and pray, I mean, just everything about the kingdom of God opens up. So come on, everyone, say pray for it. Yes, amen. And today is the last message in the Pray For It series. And can I tell you, when I, when I, whenever I preach about this type of topic, the, the spiritual dad in me rises up the, the, in, the, in the pure essence of pastor. And when you pastor, part of the way I believe you're supposed to pastor is to feel the heart of a father for the people. And whenever we get on this topic, um, it brings that out in me and it makes, this is so, what I'm about to share with you is so intense inside of me because of how important it is. See, because when you're a dad, you literally raise your kids to let them go. You raise them to release them. Release them into what? To release them into the perfect will of God for their lives. That is the, 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 the dream of dreams. The, the perfect fulfillment for your children is that they would be in the center of God's will. And that's what I want for every person here today is that you would pursue and discover and find yourself in the perfect will of God. If you're watching online, there's nothing better than living in his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And how do you get there? You gotta pray for it. And so, um, like, like whether you're in your 20s or in your teens or in your 30s or in your 40s, we need to understand the importance of today's topic. So let's get right into it. Psalm 25, 4. I got a lot of verses for you today. There's a lot of teaching, but I want you to really pay close attention because this is vitally important. So Psalm 25, 4 says this. It's a simple prayer, but powerful, long. This is a long game uh, uh, a prayer. You know, I always tell young men in the ministry, play the long game of the ministry. When you play the long game, you sometimes will forfeit a short-term gain for the long-term win. We want to end well, not just start well. We want to finish well, and it is impossible to finish well if we don't find ourselves in the center of God's will. And that's what gives birth to a prayer like this. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. How many know, brothers and sisters, God has a path, God has a road for you and I to follow. 
If you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, the same God who knew you before the foundations of the earth, he also had a plan for you. And his plan is better than our plan. His dream is better than our dream. And so the psalmist prayed for the right path. He prayed, God, show me what road to go on. I want to be led by you. The promise of the Bible, the promise of the New Testament is they that are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God, but you have to pray for it. So the title of today's message is Pray for Direction. I want to pray for direction. Another, another title, another working title would be How to Know You're Being Led by God. Okay, the being led by the Lord is everything. It's everything. It's better than the next best thing that you might have in front of you. It's everything. So look, I want to give you kind of a positive and negative example before we actually open our time in prayer today. But David Livingston, the great missionary to Africa, one of the great men of God in history, here's what he said. He said, I'd rather be in the heart of Africa in the will of God than on the throne of England out of the will of God. He was saying, give me Africa if they're with no running water, without a comfortable bed, without power, without uh, prosperity, without popularity. Give me that over living in Buckingham Palace. And brothers and sisters, as we get ourselves ready to pray, okay, what is it that you want out of this life? I want to encourage you to pursue the will of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but whoever does the will of God will live forever. That's what this is all about. That's the long game. And, and, and the missionary was saying, look, I just want to bring glory to God on this earth. I want to honor him and I want to please him. And then I want to go home. And in the end, it, God has a way of, of blessing your, your, your marriage, your child raising, giving us great, wonderful, pleasurable experiences. And at the same time, using us to bring him, uh, uh, him glory. Now, let me give you the reversed, the reverse uh, um, example. In the book of Genesis, Lot was with his uncle Abraham. And I'm bringing you into a moment when Lot made the wrong decision. This decision that looked really good at the moment ended up really, really bad. So look, Genesis chapter 13 says, Lot looked around. They, they, they were traveling together. They had their families, they had their flocks together, and they, they, their flocks were so blessed. This was a decision from a place of blessing. Their flocks were so blessed, brothers and sisters, that, that they said, look, we gotta separate a little bit, okay? And sometimes there, it is time to make a move, but how you make the move is everything. So watch what Lot did. It says, Lot looked around, with his natural eyes, and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zoar was well watered. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Oh my goodness, that looks like paradise. 
Lot thought to himself. It was like the garden of the Lord. And it says, this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself. Who is making the choosing? Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out toward the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. And this one decision that he chose with his eyes, that he thought was best, that he obviously did not pray for direction. Everybody say pray for direction. He did not pray for direction. It ruined his life. It ruined his family. His wife his wife's life was ruined, his children, and the generations were impacted because he did not pray for direction. So look, what an amazing God we serve that there's all of these people on the planet, but anyone who looks to God, anyone who really wants to be led by God, he is merciful, faithful, kind, and loving if we'll just pray for it. So lift your hands with me right now. And I want you to put the intelligence of God before your intelligence. I want you to put the foreknowledge of God before your lack of knowledge. Because you may know a lot of things, but you don't know what's happening tomorrow. We don't even know what's happening uh, an hour from now. But God knows all things. And so today we look to the, to the one who's loving and wise and, and, and all powerful, all knowing. Lift your hands. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for your direction. And God, today we open our hearts, we humble our hearts, and we want to yield to the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, would you teach us today Oh God, and guide us today and speak to us today by the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you, would you push back our preferences and replace our preferences with your preference? Push, push back what we are pursuing and replace it with what your purpose is. Today, Lord, we pray for direction. Oh Lord, Lord, I pray you bless every, every person that's listening, every person online. God, you're faithful, you're loving, you're a good, good father. God, show us the path. Show us the way that we should go. Today, we pray for it. We pray for direction, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So here's what I want to do today. I want to take um, one character in the Bible, the way we've been doing throughout the whole series. Today, we're going to look at the life of the Apostle Paul. And in Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is actually giving his testimony 
to the Galatians, but he's kind of, this is a unique facet of his testimony because he's talking about the guidance and direction of God. And what I wanna suggest to you is that we're going to see some key principles that, that you and I can, can search for so that we can know that we know that we're being led by the Lord, so that we can know that we're walking in the direction of God. And when you go home and, and when you revisit your notes using our app and, and, and reading the different chapters in the Bible, I want you to know that this, uh, the chapter that will be coming up in, from Galatians chapter two, it will correspond with the middle chapters of Acts, like Acts chapter 15 and, and, and 14 and 15 and 16. It's, it's like when all of this stuff was happening in the apostle Paul's life, and in particular, Acts chapter 15. But this is in Galatians, and he's testifying to them. And by the way, I've underlined some, some key sentences or words so that we could unpack these, these kind of core principles to being led by God. So uh, um, this is Paul saying, look, 14 years later, this is after his conversion, now he's moving into the ministry. He said, I went back to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went because, here it is, God revealed to me that I should. Uh, I'll explain why that's important because God revealed to me that I should. In a private meeting with the leaders, I explained the gospel message that I preached to the Gentiles. Watch this, I did not want my work in the past or in the present to be a failure. This is the Apostle Paul checking in. Everybody say check in. Yes, so he's checking in with the leaders and verse, jumping down to verse seven, then it says, they saw that God had given me the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the task of preaching the gospel to the Jews. So here's what they saw. They said, it's God's will for Paul to preach to the Gentiles and for Peter to preach to the Jews. And if Paul and Peter decided to switch uh, assignments, it wouldn't have gone so well because God is in charge of our lives and our ministries. We can't tell God what we want to do. We have to do what God wants us to do. Somebody say amen. And so this was a sign. They, they recognized, they saw that God had given him the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the task of preaching the gospel to the Jews. And then it says, for by God's power, I was made an apostle to the Gentiles just as Peter was made an apostle to the Jews. This was God's will. An apostle means a sent one. Chosen and sent by God. A little bit more now. Watch this. James, Peter, and John, who seemed to be the leaders. Now you have to understand, Paul was not one of the original 12. Paul had a revelation. Paul was an enemy of God. He got knocked off the horse 
Okay, and then God said, I've chosen you to be my apostle to the Gentiles. And so Paul now goes back to Jerusalem because he's really going to move into the fullness of the call of God upon his life. Right. And he says, James, Peter and John, who seem to be the leaders, recognize everyone say recognized. They recognize that God, he says that God had given me this special task. So they shook hands with Barnabas and me as a sign that we were all partners. And here it was, we agreed that Barnabas and I would work among the Gentiles and they among the Jews. So, so this is highlighting some core principles that you and I can always look to to make sure we're being led by God. And, and um, uh, you cannot, you cannot miss by leaning into the scriptures and saying, how did it happen in the Bible? If it was good for them, how many know it's good for us? Amen. So here it is. High point number one, when you're being led by God, being really led by God begins with a moment of personal revelation. It begins with the moment of personal revelation. Why did he go to, to uh, Jerusalem? He said, because the Lord told me I should go. The Lord sent me there. So he had this moment of personal revelation, being led by God. And this is what's so wonderful about being a Christian. You could be a, a, a single mom. You could be a single dad. You could be a, a college student. You could be a high school student. And if you look for guidance, God will give you revelation. God loves to lead his people. They that are the sons and daughters of God are led. They are led by the spirit of the living God. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory, and he does want to talk to us. Somebody say amen to that. He wants to talk to us. He wants to lead us. What good, good father doesn't want to talk to their children? What good, good father doesn't want to give advice to their children? And he's a good, good father. Amen. And so there's this moment of revelation. Let me give you in the book of Acts. It talks about Moses. Watch this. It says when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. And I'm skipping verse 24. I'm going to give you verse 24 in a moment. But I want you to notice this. When he was 40 years old, uh, um, he went to visit his people. He was living in, in the palace in Egypt. And it says Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. Now leave this here, okay? Here's what happened. When Moses was 40 years old, the book of Acts tells us that God began to speak to him about his calling and ministry, okay? 40 years old. The only problem is, is that it actually wasn't going to start for 40 years later. So watch this. I skipped this just so that you could see when Moses was 40 years old. Okay, the burning bush happened when he was 80. But when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. 
And we know that what that precipitated was him having to escape and go into the desert, and he spent 40 years in the desert. Why? Because even though Moses had a personal revelation, there was more to being led by God than just a revelation. Everybody say there's more to it than that. Okay? However, I do not want to discount the fact that God was speaking to Moses. You see, Moses was having a personal revelation. And if you want to be led by God, you got to get close to God. If you want to be led by God, you got to seek the face of God. If you seek him, if I seek him, when we seek him, we find him. Okay, but when we seek him, he will give us personal revelation. Hallelujah. So this is how it began. But the reason why I, I've used this particular example is because he had a flaw in his thinking. He said, because God showed me something, now that's it. I'm on my own. But he wasn't on his own. There's more to it than that, which brings me to part two of being letting or high point number two of being led by God, which I'm going to call a blanket of confirmation. Everyone say confirmation. See, it, when God gives you revelation, the most important thing to do, the wisest thing to do is to look for confirmation. Because what if you're wrong? What if it was, what if it was like, uh, 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 just something that you wanted? Are we, are we infallible? No. And so what, what we do it, when we're wise is we get a revelation and then we turn around and we seek confirmation. Paul said, I want to make sure that I'm not running in vain. I want to make sure that the gospel I'm preaching is the right gospel. And the way this was manifested, the confirmation in the book of Acts was manifested this way. Acts chapter 15 says this, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. And this was the Apostle Paul bringing the message. In Acts chapter 15, they had this council and they were talking about what is the pure gospel and who's doing what and, and, and all of the things were decided that I, that I kind of outlined in part to you in Galatians chapter two. Here was the conclusion. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, you're watching online. I'm telling you right now, don't make a life-changing decision without it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. Get the confirmation. Get the confirmation. God is faithful. The, what God starts, God will carry on to completion. So if God can take the time to, from his mighty throne, speak to you personally, why can't he bring confirmation? Confirmation means that we acknowledge the government of God within the body of Christ. Okay? God has a government on the earth. That government is expressed through various arms that he built. One of, the one of his strongest governmental arms is the family. For example, so uh, I had a young lady say to me, hey, pastor, I'm in love. Say, so you're in love? Good. Uh, um, I know, I know the guys, so Christian, godly, loves the Lord. Great. 
I like him a lot. So I'm like, good. I said, did you speak to your parents? She said, yes. Now I'm like, okay, really good. Why? It's because the way God has created our lives is that we get confirmation. We get a bearing of witness. And look, if mom and dad, who've been raising you since, since you're a little baby, right? They've been raising you. They know you. If they say this is a good person for the future, for to fulfill the will of God together, then hey, you're under that umbrella. You're under the government of God. You're getting confirmation. Now, what if, what if someone has parents who don't respect the will of God? Some of us come from families that, that God's will means nothing to them. Well, that's why there's more than one arm of the government. That's why you have Christians. That's why you have pastors and leaders and godly friends all around you. And you can still get confirmation. So you could go to them and you can get advice. And yes, even though they're your parents, if they don't want to honor God's word, if they don't value God's word, then their voice might go down. Obviously, you get married if you're the age of an adult. You're of age to make a decision. And so, so brothers and sisters, God is so kind, so loving, so faithful. He always gives us the people that we need so that we can walk in the confirmation of God. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit is crucial. If you don't have, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, you are on thin ice. Can I tell you something? I've, I, uh, um, I told you this stirs up. Look, this stirs up the, the dad in me. You know, this stirs up the father, the spiritual father, so to speak, in me. And I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I have every year that I've been in the ministry, I've watched the enemy talk one or two people out of God's will. Okay, so it's a long term, but I've never seen more than in the last three years. When COVID hit, when, when all of the, the political division hit, I've never seen the enemy talk more people out of God's will. So can I, can I give you like this gracious admonishment kind of warning? Beware, beware. The enemy is on the loose and people are being misdirected. Okay, God's will is God's will and he knows what it is and it doesn't it doesn't matter if it doesn't feel good right now or if it, or if, if there's an opportunity that feels great. In other words, let me lay it out this way. I've seen many many of people like, "Oh, there's this promotion." And we get this, and we get this, and we get this, and we get this, and and it's such a change from where we are today. Okay, that's wonderful. But is God in it? Sometimes I've seen people say, how could this be so difficult and so hard? I'm, this, is, this season is so hurtful right now. But just because something is hard and hurtful today doesn't mean God wants you to run from it. And so I've watched it over and over and over again. Okay, look, I want to give you a, a, a quick illustration from sports history. In 1929, they call this one of the biggest 
blunders in the history of college football and of sports as well. There was a guy um, playing for Cal Berkeley in the Rose Bowl, and he recovered a fumble, and he started to run in the wrong direction. I love this. And he, he recovered the fumble, he ran in the wrong direction, and the fans were shouting at him and yelling, I mean, a thunderous noise in the stadium. And look, he's smiling, he's thinking, yeah, they're cheering for me. But they weren't cheering for him, they were telling him, the wrong way, you're running in the wrong way. And then he, his, these guys chasing him, that's not the other team, that's his own people chasing him, trying to tackle him. And guess what? He ran so fast he was so happy he scored the touchdown for the other team and they lost and he he, he coined the the name wrong way regals and you know what the apostle paul was saying he's saying look the lord led me to go to jerusalem to check with james and peter and john because i don't want to be the wrong way regals of the kingdom and i'm telling you right now I, I, I'm telling you right now, I have seen people with incredible call, the incredible call of God upon their life. I'm talking about more grace, more gifting in their pinky than I have in my whole body. I've watched this over and over. And they, they said, oh, God told me this. Who bears witness with it? Where's the confirmation? Well, I talked to my friends over here and over there. I, I did A and B, and I'm like, no, 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 no. You're talking yourself into this. If you don't get serious confirmation, you have to beware. I'm going to say a couple more things about this, so please stick with me here. So look, I've watched this over and over again, more than ever before again in the last three years. In the last three years, People are getting more therapy, which I think is great, than, than I've ever seen. And I want to encourage you, if you feel to speak to a counselor, that's great. I want to strongly encourage you to talk to someone with a theological background. I think that, that uh, having someone who, who knows the Bible is very, very helpful. And, but nonetheless, here's, here's the, what I've seen. Some people get well or strong or, or whole a lot faster than others. And here's what I've seen. The, the, here's the difference. Some people will go to a counselor and they will say to the counselor, here's how I feel, here's what I've been through, here's how I feel, here's what I've been through. And that's the bulk of it. Some people go to the counselor and say, I've been through a lot and here's how I feel, but here's what I think. I think these are my issues. And here's what people close to me have told me are my issues. And so I want to put the whole picture on the table, not just one slice of the pie. I want to put the whole picture on the table so that you could speak to all of it. The people who do that, they get better, whole, faster, without the shadow of a doubt. You know why? Because this person is looking for the truth. And in life, even when horrible things happen to us, there are things for us to learn and to deal with. We can always learn and change and grow. Look at what Dostoevsky said. This is so powerful. And they, if they could send me 
uh, a keyboard player. He said, the man who lies to himself and listens to his own lie comes to a point that he cannot distinguish the truth within him or around him and so loses all respect for himself and for others and having no respect, he ceases to love. And I have watched this. I've watched this, brothers and sisters. Look, I'm telling you right now, God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. But I've watched people talk themselves. They listen, they have their feelings and their reasons, and they walk away from God's will. And here's what the enemy does. Please listen to me. What the enemy does when you step out of God's will is he automatically withdraws. He just leaves you alone, and he lets everything be nice and nice. Okay? And all of a sudden, the pressure's off. All of a sudden, there's like, there's no relief and things seem to be going so much better ever since I walked away from God's will. Everything's good, but brothers and sisters, it's only for a season. What the enemy is really trying to do is he's got you in lot mode. He's saying, look at how nice that looks. Look, it looks just like paradise. There's the garden of God for your life. Go over there, lot. And then you go. And as soon as you get far enough from the wall of protection that we preached about a couple of weeks ago, right? As soon as, 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 as we get away from the family of God, from the people of God that will fight for you in the spirit. If you're down, if you're being deceived, they will fight in the spirit. They'll cry at the altar. They'll fast. They'll do whatever it takes to help you. They'll take the shirt off their back and give it to you. As soon as the enemy's got us away, then Sodom and Gomorrah city comes right down on us. That's the way the enemy works. You see? And here's what I've seen. I've seen godly people step away from the will of God. And then years later, the decline is so great. And then they become bitter at the church. They, come, they become bitter. They lose their love. What, what are they really doing? Why? Why? It's because, this too heavy? Some heavy is good, you know? I used to always tell my kids, it's better that I tell you the truth than you experience the worst part of the truth out there. Today, dad is talking. I love you. You gotta listen to me. Do not live like Lot. Follow the will of God. Even when you're being promoted, even when you feel like your life is progressing. Let me give you a quick example. <clears throat> when Solomon passed, Rehoboam took over the kingdom. During Solomon's day, the kingdom of, of, of the nation of Israel was at its peak. Solomon passes. Solomon actually started to backslide himself because he stopped seeking God. And so Rehoboam takes over. And when Rehoboam takes over, the, the nation, the people came to Rehoboam and said, hey, your dad built so many buildings and did so many things that, can I tell you the truth? Uh, uh, um, we're tired and the taxes, he taxed us a lot. Would you give us a break for a while? And we'll serve you and we'll do this together. We're super blessed. It's all good. And uh, Rehoboam went to the elders 
the people who had been there, done that, been around, been in positions of leadership. And they said, this is a good thing, Rehoboam, listen to the people. And then he, he, he then turned and went to his buddies, the people who didn't have experience, the people who were not, in a sense, having an established history of leadership, a, 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 a reputation of real productive fruitfulness. Not somebody who's in the same place, but someone who's older and who has shown a life of fruitfulness and integrity and blessing and hearing from God. So he goes to the young guys, watch what happens. It says, Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders. The elders gave him and he consulted the young men who had grown up with him and were serving and were serving him. And so these young guys said, don't listen to those guys. They don't know what they're talking about. Make it more difficult for the people. And because he sought the wrong confirmation, last thing I'll say about this, look, there's a big difference between, between seeking out confirmation and looking for a shoulder to cry on or looking for someone to tell you what you wanna hear. Confirmation is different. Confirmation is this. So if you're making a big decision, tell me the godly people that are over you in the Lord that you went to and say, this is how I feel, but I don't care about how I feel right now. Tell me exactly what you think. Look, you might be listening online. And you're about to make a big decision. Pray for God's direction. Part of praying for God's direction is that you get godly people in your life. And, and, and it should be in part your spouse. And, and, and if you're someone's spouse, okay, ask them, where is the confirmation? Don't go with, well, this is what we feel. Get the confirmation because it, it sometimes we become like the king with the new clothes. You know the fairy tale, the kid's story. Nobody, everybody was afraid to talk to the king. So someone comes and cons the king and says, look, I bought you this brand new, I got you this brand new outfit. Meanwhile, it was invisible. The king is walking around literally in his underwear and nobody around him wanted to tell him you're actually naked because the king didn't really want to hear the truth. We got to want the truth. We got to want confirmation. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no better place than the center of God's will. God's will is the best place that there is. Somebody say amen. So look, moment of personal revelation. Okay, a blanket of confirmation. You know, it's funny. I can tell you that we came to plant this church. And when the thing started bouncing around in my spirit, in my mind, in my heart, confirmation was coming from everywhere. We're at the Brooklyn Tabernacle and, and confirmation was coming from everywhere. Your time is up. You need to go. God is able to speak and to send everything that we need. Confirmation is real. He leads and guides his people. And then here's the last thing. The last thing is then there's the Lord's open door. 
Hallelujah. How many believe God is a God who opens doors? And here's the unique thing about the will of God, and I'll be closing with this. I want to give you this quote uh, by a great man of God. He said, the place God calls uh, you to is the place where your deep gladness, your deep gladness, not your present or shallow gladness, but your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Interesting. Please go review the notes of this message. Here's what that's saying. What that's saying is, is that God has a plan, okay? Fifth row, sixth seat in, God has a plan. Every person here, God knows your number. He knows the hairs on your head. He has a plan for your life. In that plan, he wants to bless you. He wants to prosper you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you protection, all of these things. And yet at the same time, he wants to use you. And he knows in the end, in the long run, what will deeply, deeply satisfy your soul. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God knows the desires of our heart better than we do, okay? And so the, the call of God, it, it, it not only speaks to our deep gladness, but God's deep purpose. And only he knows that. And so he opens doors for us. Look at what it says in the book of Revelation. I know your deeds. This was the church of Philadelphia. Let's go, right? He says, see, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Nobody can cut off God's will for your life, okay? Nobody can steal the will of God. No one can stop the purposes of God as long as we seek confirmation, as long as we're leaning on him for direction. I'm telling you right now, no one can stop his blessing, his plan, and his powerful purpose. God will open that door. No kind of rough patch in your life. No, no kind of season of, man, I got four flat tires this season. That's all right. God will replace those tires and you will roll. You will roll. It's God's will for you to roll in the, in the kingdom of God, in the will of God, in the plan of God. He already, he has built in even our pit stops and our mistakes. As long as we stay hum humble. Watch this. He says, I know that you have little strength, yet you've kept my word. You've stuck with the confirmation and the guidance and direction and have not denied my name. Look, when you walk through God's open door, God walks with you. When you walk away from God's will, you're going on your own. Joseph was sold as a slave, but you never get the impression that God was not with him. There might be seasons of difficulty, but in the end, we will say like Joseph, the Lord has caused me to forget and he has blessed me in the land of my suffering. Even in the hardship, we will end up blessed in the plans and purposes of God. Today, I want to pray for direction. I want to pray that there would be a moment, a day when we say to God, God, I, I, I want to recheck. 
my plans. I want to recheck. I want you to review my, my plans, my dreams, my purposes. To surrender to God is the best place, is to be in the best place because when we yield, when we surrender, I want to open up this altar in a moment. When we yield and we, when we surrender, hallelujah, then he will be faithful to lead us and guide us in his good and pleasing and perfect will.